0: Gospel according to St. Luke. Then he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling things there. And he said, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people kept looking for a way to kill him. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were spellbound by what they heard. One day, as he was teaching the people in the temple and telling the good news, the chief priests and the scribes came with the elders and said to him, Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Who is it who gave you this authority? He answered them, I will also ask you a question, and you tell me, did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? They discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, All the people will stone us, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. Then Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: We have a lot this day. Kind of an extra gospel added on to the processional gospel. A lot to look at today, and that's exactly usually what Luke wants us to do is, is Luke wants us to look, to see this word edu, this Greek word that means look or see what's happening, what's going on here. And Luke again invites us into this rich story to see to observe what's going on. Well, before this processional gospel, this part that Pastor Bill read at the beginning of our worship, there's an interesting text. We get the, the Zechariah, or not the Zechariah. we get the Zacchaeus story uh, in that chapter prior, but we also get this interesting parable, this kind of almost confusing parable after the mercy that's shown to Zacchaeus who you know repents and is called a child of Abraham, we get this story about a landowner, uh, a king really, who goes off to conquer new lands um, and they don't want him to conquer those lands, but he goes off anyway and he leaves his stewards his his servants in charge of his resources right We know it as the parable of the talents but it's it 's a really interesting one in Luke because at the end it gets very violent, actually. The king comes back and he rewards two of the, of the servants who've done well with, with his resources. But the one who fears him and who hides it away and doesn't make any money, you know, he, gives, he takes his talent and gives it away. We know that story probably pretty well. But then the king says, but I want that servant and I want all those who oppose me to come before me. And it says it ends in this way. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and slaughter them. In my presence, this powerful kind of warlord of a king, and I know when I read that, and probably for most modern ears, when they read that, in fact, maybe even some who are kind of cynical about uh, Christ's message or cynical about the church may look at that and say, "Aha! Look at God and God's violence against people and all this kind of stuff." But for those who were celebrating Jesus, for those who were who were kind of looking at him coming into Jerusalem as a king. They might have celebrated that story. Yes, yes, put those enemies of God under your feet. Slaughter them in our presence. Be that warlord, be that king who conquers and kills and defeats the Romans, the other enemies of God's people. But Jesus comes in with a kind of power and definitely in a kind of authority, but he seems to come in in a different way than the king of this parable. So let's look into this story today and kind of look at the stories that are wrapped around this in our other readings today. Now, I'm not sure what to make of this cult of a donkey being just let go with the word, hey, Jesus needs it. Oh, okay, here you go, right? I'm a little more protective of my possessions, I must say, but for some reason, it's just let go. But this riding in on a donkey And the donkey itself and the cloaks and the palms laid before Jesus kind of help the people of Jesus' day. And maybe even for us, if we're biblical scholars here this morning, to maybe think about those Maccabees uh, hundreds of years before who had conquered the Greeks, who had conquered specifically the Seleucids, and they had rode into Jerusalem triumphant. They were warriors and they were kings. By the way, this whole Maccabean revolt and conquering is, is kind of the origin story for where, where Hanukkah comes from. But anyway, it, it brings people back to that, to that day when they had conquered, when they had thrown out these, these foreigners, and had even come in and cleansed the temple at one point, which comes up here later as well. Now the donkey, we're told, is humble. This colt of a donkey would be even a more humble animal. But it's not a sign of just sort of humility. It's certainly not a sign of weakness. What it's a sign of is that you can ride a donkey into the city because the war horse has already conquered. We've already won the battle. And now we can ride in peacefully on this donkey, the sign of peace after conquest. And this Zacharias reading even that speaks of peace and of the, you know, kind of the sword being taken away In that moment, a little bit later on, it speaks of God's people in victorious and powerful conflict against these Greek, these former Greek invaders. Speaks of that war horse rising up as well. There seems to be kind of a both and here a little bit. But for us, if we look at the story, Jesus has not conquered. He hasn't ridden the war horse against the enemies, the Romans, whoever it might be of that day. He simply comes in on this donkey, as if things have already been taken care of, bringing peace to the city. He is healed, of course. He has is, he is preached. He has cast out demons. He has shown his power over the powers of this world and beyond this world. But his lack of victory over the Romans is kind of the root of the religious leaders coming out to him and saying, whoa, 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 hey, Jesus, shush your disciples. We normally see this story as Jesus riding into Jerusalem, but as we hear it from Luke today, he's actually still up on the Mount of Olives when his disciples start to spread their cloaks. And by the way, when you hear the word disciples here, don't think of just those 12 guys We know from before that Jesus sent out 70 of his followers, and we may have 100 or or a little bit less or a little bit more here, but they're celebrating, they're shouting those hosannas, they've seen what Jesus can do, and they see that he is this king coming into the city. But he's not quite there yet, and so these religious leaders come to him and say, hey, you better keep it down, because if the Romans get wind of it, I I don't know if you guys know your world history very well, but the Romans were sort of... uh, sensitive about insurrections you might say as most leaders are right they were a little sensitive about that they had they had a way of kind of retaliating against those those insurrections and so perhaps these religious leaders aren't just trying to keep jesus and his disciples quiet perhaps they're trying to protect him here a little bit as well all of this speaks to what we might see happening in sort of this both-and kind of way. On the other side of Jesus' entry, uh, past this, he weeps over Jerusalem for a second time, as it kind of comes into view on the Mount of Olives there, and as he's traveling down and going back up into the city, looking across that valley there. He longs for its turning like that mother hen that we heard about a few weeks ago, Remember the one that wanted to gather its brood? And so on one side of this gospel, we get this kind of powerful king. And on the other side of this gospel, we get this this servant who weeps over his city. We get both and. And we pick up in our gospel for today with Jesus, again, kind of rising up in power as he takes over the temple Again, going back to those Maccabees, that was one of the things they did. They cleansed the temple from the impurities of those Greeks, that foreign rule. And Jesus kind of seems to cleanse it of similar impurity in the sense that the temple economy is kind of coexisting with this foreign rule of the Romans. But also it seems that he, that he kind of cleanses it from internal corruption as well. Jesus, who comes in on this donkey, this humble servant, this this Prince of Peace, doesn't lay down his control and his power. In fact, he kind of seems to confront both the the Pharisees, you know, hey, if these guys don't cry out, the whole creation will cry out that I am Lord, that I am King, that I am Prince of Peace. And then when he comes into the temple and cleanses it, he exercises that power once again. When I look at the story personally, I see Jesus confronting my own sense of power and control. It gets me wondering what do I need to lay down this week like a coat or a palm at the foot of Jesus that he might walk over with that donkey, that sign of peace, and, and as I might follow him into this holy week. Last night, the, we were, or yesterday, we were at... Um, in Spokane with my son at at Gonzaga University for kind of a student orientation and parent kind of welcome thing. Um, They were still greasing the wheels for those who hadn't decided. Um, They didn't need to do that for us, but we didn't want to tell them because they were throwing free food at me, which is my favorite thing. Anyway, but as we got ready to journey back, we saw that Snoqualmie Pass was closed, and so we had to go all the way down into the, you know, towards Portland, and and our five-hour drive turned into an eight-hour drive. And at about, uh, I don't know, about 12.30 a.m., I looked at my wife and I said, would you mind driving for a while? <laughs> she was happy to do it, and she's better than me at staying up late like that behind the wheel. I like to joke with folks, the only place I can sleep in a car is when I'm driving. <laughs> That's not good, right? But I had a sort of a flashback to when I was driving. Uh, out here from college, and we had this huge long day driving from Sheridan, Wyoming, all the way to Tacoma to PLU, not Phoenix, Arizona, to Tacoma, but anyway, Sheridan, Wyoming. And so we—I was driving, and I was in the kind of a—we had two cars and three drivers. My sister and her boyfriend were in one car, and I was in the other. And as I got tired, and as we were getting close to the Washington border, and I was just done for the day, my brother, my sister woke my brother-in-law up in the other car, and we switched and. I was able to sleep and I was in the passenger seat and after kind of drifting off to sleep for about a half an hour, I suddenly woke up and went, (laughs) has anybody ever done that by the way? You've been driving for a long time, you get a chance to rest and you wake up thinking that you've fallen asleep at the wheel. The same thing happened to me last night after I had just fallen to sleep for about 20 minutes. I woke up in the back seat this time and started scratching the back of my, of my son's seat like, ah, where's the wheel? And I kind of, as I was thinking about that, or as I was experiencing that and thinking about this day and thinking, you know, I need an aside story in the middle of this, of this sermon, I thought about, about that sense that we have of power and control, of always wanting to control, of always wanting to take the wheel and i thought maybe that's a sign of the things that need to be laid down in this as we begin this holy week all this pulls us back to a jesus whose mission is peace but whose authority is so great that even the rocks even the creation itself would cry out in praise if we were silent His authority makes him a conqueror, one who can match wits with the religious leaders and act and speak with authority over the established economy of the temple. But he is also one who enters the city with a cry of peace. And instead of the assassin king in the parable prior to this entry, he weeps tenderly over the city. If he's an assassin at all, he's an assassin of all the things that burden us and that weigh us down, that would prevent us from that wholeness and that peace he brings. And all of that helps us to see that Jesus is after more than a temporary victory in one place and in one time. All of this tells us that what we see today is only a glimpse of what is to come. But I have to tell you, I don't want to leave it to the stones this week. As the song said, today is a foretaste of the greatest week of the year. And I want to join those stones as part of the creation that cries out in praise on Monday, Thursday as Jesus offers himself to his disciples. We're going to say very similar words today as we celebrate this meal where Christ comes to us and to return to that origin story on Monday, Thursday. Everyone at this table, at that table with those disciples and everyone who comes after them, including us, celebrates that. hears those words again. I want to join the rocks and the trees and all creation as they bend their voices to the place where their creator promises to be for them, for real for them. And I want to join in the silent listening of the stones at Jesus' trial, still and bearing the weight of sin and brokenness like dust on their backs. I want to groan with the stones that quake as Jesus hangs on the cross. And wonder with the stone laid across that grave if this is truly the end. If Jesus was just another well-meaning prophet whose short spark was swallowed up in that final victory of death. And I want to gather with the witnesses of that day when the rocks of Golgotha, wondering if death really is the only dependable thing. And I want to be there when that question is answered as the stone that seemed to have that final word is rolled away. And the first earthy witness to the victory of God over death is that stone, as the word is released and life wins. I hope and pray you will join the rocks this week and the trees and your brothers and sisters in Christ as we proclaim and as we listen and as we weep and as we pause And as we shout with all creation, as peace and wholeness extend from heaven to earth in Christ's incredible salvation story, which begins this day with Hosanna to the Son of David, the Prince of Peace. Amen.